This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. We're going to continue in part three of this series, God with Us. Uh, Speaking of, uh, we just sang Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And we started with this a couple of weeks ago and I want to start there again. For to us a child is born... To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. If you're visiting with us today, we looked at the fact that most of us have complained about the government our entire lives. Uh, But when you read Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, we believe written around 735 B.C., it says of his reign, of his government and the peace that he brings, there will be no end. And we believe as we celebrate in this season... All right, Christmas, this is the first coming of Christ. As believers in Christ, we long for, we anticipate, we are waiting for the second coming of Christ. And we are in this in-between time. And it says, it gives these four descriptive names, and we've been using this as our outline through this series, these four descriptive names of Jesus, our Savior, the Lord, Messiah. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. So think Wisdom. Mighty God, Scott McElvain shared the the last week on Mighty God. Think strength. Today we're going to look at Everlasting Father. Think care. Prince of Peace. Think peace. So think about this. 700 years later, we read these words. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, to not be afraid. And do I love this next line. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You've heard about him. You read and they say, you know about him coming. We, we, the people have talked about this for hundreds and hundreds of years. He is coming. And, and so we're in this in-between time that, yes, he came. He was born to be our Savior, and he is returning again one day. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And one of the themes throughout this series has been that we don't grow uh, tired that's the best way I can put that. Grow tired of the Christmas message. And I think Scott McElvain last week shared it perfectly when he gave us this line. Don't let the extraordinary become ordinary. As soon as he shared that, I took a picture of it. And that has been my sacred echo all week. I don't want the gospel to ever become ordinary. It's an extraordinary message. I don't want my salvation to ever become ordinary. It's an extraordinary message. I don't want what we're doing here today to ever become ordinary, mundane. It's what we do. That we would always keep that extraordinary understanding of it. So I went with it all week. So last Sunday we heard the message. And that night, 400 volunteers from Woodland Hills went to Silver Dollar City. And Amy was on a trip, so I went party of one. And uh, I looked like that mall walker who decided to switch it up a little bit. Uh, I'm going to walk the city And I hope you never get tired of the lights in this town or the lights at Silver Dollar City. I hope, I've been here over 20 years, and and it can become, right, just part of us, and we can lose that extraordinary feeling. So I went out with the attitude, hey, walk through Midtown slow. It was cold. 
I was ready to get in the truck, but I'm like, this, this isn't something you run through. Like, don't, I hope you never take for granted where you live. And if you're visiting, uh, join us. If you can find a house, move here and do what you want to do. <laughs> but, but I just, I, wherever you live, right, wherever you live, I, take some time this week to slow it down as you drive. So that was Sunday night. And I'm like, I'm going to walk through Silver Dollar City and the 40 billion lights that they got going on here. And I'm listening to dads talk. I love watching the kids looking at just, oh, this is so amazing, these lights. And dad's standing there going, you think they're LED? I hope they're LED because I couldn't imagine, you know. So I was just taking it all in. And then the next morning, I went with a group of guys from our church to Dogwood Canyon. And again, I love Dogwood Canyon. I love congregating the fish in, in small little pools. Uh, it's very little effort, very little work for a five, 10-pound rainbow trout. And I had several moments. I always take a coffee bar out when I go. And so I've got this big box, and I pull cups out. And there were several moments. I'm like, extraordinary. Don't let it become ordinary. That I just, I put my fly rod down, which takes a lot for me to do that. When there's big fish just looking at you like, here we, come on, let's get this going. We were stocked last week. We're ready for it. I put it down, and I just sat there to watch the other guys fish and just slowed it down. Don't let where you live become ordinary. And then Thursday, true stories. If you're looking for it, I'm telling you, you'll find it. I hope you understand. We're talking about an attitude today. I'm driving across the Taney Como Bridge, and I look off to the right, and I see this eagle circling. And I've always been a bird watcher. I'm, I'm 50 next month, which means smoke meets, World War II history, and bird watching are like going to be my passions for the 50s. And, and I slowed down to about 15, 20 miles an hour going over the Taney Como Bridge just to frustrate uh, the people behind me. <laughs> but I even, I rolled down the window and went, look, hey, look, look, take a look. That's an eagle. They couldn't care less. Said, Come on, let's get this moving. But stop. So I even, I'm like, I have somewhere to be. But I pulled around and went down into the landing parking lot and parked to watch this eagle circle. Now, I don't want to take for granted where I live. And then I got to see, this is what happens when you slow down. I got to see this happen. This is a picture I took, you can tell by the quality. <laughs> I don't know if you know how big eagles are. They're huge. Now, put in proportion with that, this rainbow trout. That's a, I'm going to say 16, 17 inch. Yes, hey, come on. So, listen, <laughs> you don't question the preacher's numbers from the front. Listen, okay, here's what I need. I need someone who's good at math and geometry to take this picture this week and tell us, how, and I'm going to announce it next week for the naysayers out here in that uh, middle section. How many can tell that's a big trout? Just because, okay, thank you. Look at that bunny. <laughs> the whole point, three pounds is huge. You know nothing about where you live. Get a book. Get a book. You guys are taking this message in a place it's not supposed to go. We're taking the extraordinary and not letting it become ordinary. But I watched this, this, this eagle swoop down and get... When do you see that? Some of you, how many have ever seen this? An eagle get a... Okay. <laughs> I saw it Friday, Ted. It's just... You people are impossible. You know what? 8.15, they were more enjoyable this week. I'm just going to be honest with you. They went, they were, they're out there crying over the eagle getting this trout. 
two members of our church walk up to me while I'm taking this picture. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm here to feed the pigeons. I'm at that age, uh, too. No, I showed them the picture. You guys see, this is amazing. And then we ended the week with this right here. If you don't know what's going on with this, this is a big, this is like Chick-fil-A showing up to your town for the first time. This is a big, it's not even our town, it's Springfield. But it's worth the drive for the barbecue. Let me tell you, not making the extraordinary become ordinary filled me with about as much joy as this guy right here. But I hope you don't lose it for the gospel message as we talk today about good news for the lost and lonely. The good news that causes great joy for all the people, for your salvation, for this church, for all that God is doing. So let me just encourage all of us, starting with the lost and this message. As we celebrate the birth of Christ and wait for the second coming of Christ, let us not give up on lost people. I'm seeing it happening within churches and among believers. If I were to name for you cities in our country, let's do it. New York, Chicago, San Francisco. Some of you right now just had a moment where you're like, I hate those places and everything they stand for. Follower of Jesus, may we never give up on lost people because this is what we know. Christmas reminds us that people still seek Christ. You understand, this is a season. This is even different than Easter. At Christmas, pagans will find themselves singing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive. People who don't believe the message, sing it or hum it. My wife and daughter, uh, they've always wanted to go see the Rockettes in New York. And so after church last Sunday, I dropped them off at the airport for a two-night trip. Now, sending my wife and daughter to New York, I had a big old dad lecture with them on the way up to the airport. And it was pretty like, I, you would have thought I worked for the CIA, okay? Because I'm like, all right, what are my two words? And Corinne from the back seat, be aware. That's right. I need you guys, especially you're going to be leaving that show, the Rockettes at Radio City Musical. You're going to be leaving it at night going back to the hotel. I need you to find a family and like a snowplow on the highway, get behind that family and let them get you safely to the hotel. I mean, find a dad with a Green Bay Packers jersey on, <laughs> right, and a Green Bay Packers hat or some sports team, some dad who really doesn't even look like he wants to be there on that vacation. Get behind that guy. He's safe. Amy said, Ted, we went to the show and something I was not prepared for happened. I, I don't know, know how to say this, but you know, every city you go to, it just it represents different values. And I don't think I have to say this, but I might as well. They're, Branson and New York are very different. <laughs> They're just very different. Two very different places. And at the end of the Rockette show, I'll show you this picture. Uh, they opened the Bible and they read Luke 2. They read the Christmas story. And, and Amy, like me, she sits down here on a lot of Sundays and just kind of looks back to just see how people are engaging and responding. She says, I looked around, and at first, Ted, there was shock. You understand, that's what this time of the year does. People on stage who don't live by this book, they don't believe this book, will read this book. 
That's what's special about this message and this time of year. She said, I looked around and they were shocked and then like two people. And it got faster and more people joined and she said, thunderous applause at Radio City Music Hall in Manhattan for the gospel being clearly proclaimed. Now that, listen, that's, that's a big deal. This is why when you hear what's going on in cities around the country, your first thought follower of Jesus should be, there are lost people still seeking Jesus. And that should be our heart. John Piper puts it this way, and this is what's so spectacular about the Christmas message. We have a message of spectacular rescue. The love of God has rescued us from the wrath of God. Christmas is about the creator of the universe coming into this world that he made in order to save those, here's the key, who are in active rebellion against him. That is the message we proclaim at Christmas. And so the first week we looked at Wonderful Counselor. Last week we looked at Mighty God. Today let's spend some time with Everlasting Father. Now this is important. We shared it two weeks ago. When you see the descriptive name for Jesus, Everlasting Father, this is not speaking of Jesus and his relationship to the Trinity. It's speaking of the fact that Jesus is God and he will return as a fatherly ruler. That's the key. He will care for us as a father cares for his children. And by the way, Jesus cares for you now and forever. Very important distinction between now and till the end. He's not going to care for you until the end He's gonna, because there is no end. He's going to care for you forever. That is your everlasting father. And I used to love to demonstrate this with my kids, you know, to say, I'd go into my kid's room and be like, Carson, how much does your dad love you? You love me a lot. And, oh, no, I want you to show, show me how much I love you. You love me a lot. No, I mean, I put my arms out. I love you this much. Let me tell you, because you can tell I, I watch way too many Liam Neeson movies. But I said, if we're walking down the street and a car jumps the curb and it's coming at us, what am I going to do? Carson, you're going to throw me out of the way. You're going to jump in front of the car and you're going to take the hit. That's right. And all I ask for that is clean your room. <laughs> Just clean your room. I'm laying down my life for you, and I'm just asking you to pick up a few articles around here. Right? What does a father do? A father protects. A father provides. Jesus cares for us by protecting us and providing for us now and forever. He is the everlasting Father. So let me ask you this question. It's a good question to ask moving into 2024 election time. What qualities are you looking for in a leader? What, what, what makes a good leader? For government, for the home, for a church, for an organization? Well, let's just go through the list that we've been going through in Isaiah 9:6. Wisdom. Right? Nobody wants to work for a fool. No one wants to be led by a fool. You want someone who's wise, but wisdom alone is not enough because you want someone who has strength. And I want someone who's wise and the strength that they have. Why is strength so important? Next one on the screen, Katie. Strength says this. She's back there working on the next. No, no, she's good. You want strength because, because you want someone who will make the, the right decision when it's not the popular decision. And that requires strength. You want someone who doesn't check polls before they do the right thing. You want a dad who's wise. And, and frankly, some of you were raised by a father who was fool, a fool. Or maybe you had a wise father, but he never had your back. 
he never, he never stood up for you. He never protected you. He never took your side. You never felt he was on your side. Today we're looking at care. I want someone who thinks about uh, the needs of the people. And it's not just about maintaining power and keeping power. We're, it's a big conversation in the church today. People believe that leaders get to a place where they have power and they have money. And then when they get to a certain point, all it's about is maintaining that power and money. No, it's, it's about leveraging your wisdom and strength to the benefit and blessing of other people. That's the key. And then you want someone who, when they enter the room, it's peaceful. You don't want the guy that's coming in just like, I think we use the term bull in a china shop. Right? I, I'm looking for the leader that's wise, strong, caregiving, peaceful. I, I found this video this week and, and sent it to Katie. I go, okay, this is the most awesome thing ever of a, of a grandfather. Because I read uh, Anthony Bradley. He's a research fellow at the Acton Institute. And he said, the number one determinant of faith persistence, faith persistence, like a child continuing in the faith, is the relational warmth of their father and grandfather. We don't think about this a lot. And so I saw this video and Katie edited for us and it's of this grandfather who was left in charge of his granddaughter. I can't wait for this day. I promise you they'll be alive when you get back, but I'm not gonna say no a whole bunch. You know what I'm talking about. So I'm not at that season yet, maybe be there one day, but this is a grandfather laying Talk about with us and getting into it with the grandchild. This is a grandfather attempting to lay his granddaughter down for a nap. make that video better is him not getting out <laughs> and hours later his children coming home and there they sit in the crib waiting to be rescued I don't I don't know the the model that you've had in a dad but Gary Smalley always put it this way that if you were to look at it on a on a slide you know you you have the dominant and the permissive and some of us were raised in a home that was just dominant. It was my way or the highway and rule with the iron fist. And some of us were raised in a home that was permissive, almost to the point of being neglectful. Like anything goes, do whatever you want. And, and Gary would say, either extreme alone is bad, right? It's, it's you're looking for that loving, firm, kind, caregiving dad. And some of you know that one of the struggles in marriage when raising children is that you'll have one parent over here and one parent over here. And when the kids learn that, it's on. <laughs> and the goal in marriage is that you be a united front in raising kids. So some of you had the extremes. And in Jesus, we don't get extremes. We get complete. The everlasting father, the one who cares for us. Isaiah, a little bit later on, we read in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 10 through 11. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. 
See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. And then watch, you get the, the all in one. It's not one or the other, it's all. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. I, this is, I, I miss this part of parenting, and I look forward to this in grandparenting, but I used to get on the ground on all fours when my kids were small and be like 10 bucks to the first kid that can get me to the ground. Oh, that was so much fun, and they couldn't. They couldn't. But Carson, you know, my daughter would always come up and be like, you know, but Carson was like, game on. You mess with the bull, you get the, yeah, he was ready. And I remember once he got up from the table and put me in a headlock. We're at dinner. So he's got me in a headlock, and he goes, if you can't break this, you know, 10 bucks or whatever the going rate was at the time. And, uh, and then I, I just, I, I can still remember the day that he put me in that headlock, and I couldn't break it. Oh, I think he was like six. <laughs> I had just eaten. I was pretty full, all right? You're not supposed to swim or do any heavy exercise right after eating. And I remember, it's like, he, he, I couldn't break it. So you understand what we have in Jesus, the everlasting father, that, that fatherly rule. I, I am a, a picture of it. I represent it, but I will never represent it perfectly. Dads, right now, this is not a time to go on a guilt trip. That's not what this message is about at all. But I want us to look at, for just a moment, how Jesus cares for us, how he protects and provides for us. So just real quick, five that we can go through. Number one, we've talked about it already, but Jesus saved me. Don't let that become ordinary. Don't, don't lose sight of that. And today, if you've never placed faith in Jesus, Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't let your salvation become ordinary this season. Don't let the gospel message become ordinary. Now we move into from, from the lost to the lonely. For those of you been through a bad breakup this year or you've never really fit in, you've never been able to find your crowd, you've never been able to find a group that accepts you and brings you in and you're like, I know I'm weird and I'm socially awkward, but I've never found a group. But guess what? Upon salvation, you become part of God's family. And if you look around this church, we, we have all different types of people, starting with me. I'm different. I, hey, just, gosh. I, I'm odd. I have my quirks, just like those who just amend are. <laughs> this is a family. Jesus saves you, and watch, Jesus brought me into his family. In Ephesians 1, verse 5, we read, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it, it gave him great pleasure. Welcome home. Giving your life to Jesus, becoming part of a family, jump in there. In January, we're going to talk a lot about the family. We're going to talk about our gatherings. We're, it's kind of a vision time in January for us as a church, like we do every year. I just want to encourage you, be part of the family. If you're like, hey, I'm a believer. I just talked to somebody who's been attending for a while. And they've not really plugged in, but this time, this is what I love about this time of year. They're starting to think through. I love this place. I love these people, and it's time for me to get more serious. I love that. 
You're part of the family. Jesus gives my life purpose, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has a plan for you. He has, we're going to talk about this January 7th. Come on back for that. But he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. I was just talking to a friend out in the lobby about retirement, not mine, his. And, and he's like, I'll probably still work once I retire. And I go, good, keep that. I mean, we, we got to have something. Just whatever it is, whether it's work, don't lose purpose until you draw your final breath or the Lord returns. Jesus gives my life purpose. And here's what we get this season, and some of you are entering into this in the next couple of weeks. Jesus offers me rest. For whatever you're carrying, whatever burdens you're walking with, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And part of your exhaustion is that you've been trying to do it all yourself, and and you can't. Your salvation comes through Christ. And then this last one, Jesus is preparing a place for me. In John 14, 2 and 3, we read, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. I heard a pastor this week share that Christmas is a great magnifier. All it does is magnify what you've been going through this year. It magnifies what you're feeling right now. So for some, it is joy. It's been a great year. It's been a great year and you're entering into this season of rest and peace and family and Schedules change, and you spend, and it's full of joy. But that's not true for every person in here. That's not true for every member of our church family. That's not true for all of our guests today. It's true for a lot, but not for everyone. Because some people this year have been in a, a deep season of grief. They lost a loved one. And what Christmas is going to do, it's going to shine a spotlight on that empty chair at the table. And their grief will be magnified Others, it's been a stressful year. It's been a stressful year, and now going to be with your family feels like, not joy, stress. You're, you're, you're like, it's just been too much. My family's too much. And now, and so everything about this, the expectations that we place on ourselves in this season can cause greater stress. It was a tough year at work, and you have a lot of dysfunctional relationships at work and you had to go to a work Christmas party and put on that smile. Some of you have been through financial crisis. This one we probably hear the most. You've been through financial crisis and now the expectations of a magical Christmas or whatever you would call it. I just need to make it big and the kids need this and the kids need that. And all it does, December for you means more spending and that adds more stress. And for the lonely, for those who just went through a breakup, there are some here today that have been through a divorce this year. And now you're like, this is is the first time ever with our kids that I'll take them on Christmas Eve and he'll take them on Christmas Day or vice versa. There's going to be moments of loneliness. I just want to encourage you with your everlasting father that you run to him. I don't know if you remember. Did anybody ever have to call their dad after they did something dumb? <laughs> How fast was that phone call? I, I, it's still my favorite story of my brother with his two-wheel drive truck deciding to go mudding in the cornfields of Illinois. And we got stuck hundreds of yards out into this cornfield, and we had to run home. And 
about a mile run. Gave us enough time to get the story straight. I'm sorry, I said story. The lie. There's two ways we think about it when we get in trouble, when we're dealing with chaos that we created. But some of you, your first thought when in trouble is my dad is going to kill me. My dad's going to kill me. That is, that is not your Lord. Some of you have been holding back because what it's going to mean, and you, just, you have this very religious idea of who Jesus is. Like, I'm going to bring this all to him, and it's going to be boom, 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 boom. No, we would hope that when you're in trouble, whether you're in stress, lonely, crisis, whatever it is caused by you or not caused by you, that your first thought would be, I need to call my dad. Because, he, listen, now, I, I, again, I'm an earthly dad. So when my kids called me to get out of trouble, I, I received them with open arms. They know a lecture is going to come at some point. But, but I received them with open arms. I just want you to see that that is your heavenly father. You know the story of the prodigal son? I wish we had time to go into it today. I've been rereading this story because I feel like every time I read that story, I get something new. Does anybody else have that with the prodigal son? Because sometimes we read that and think, he missed his dad. I don't read that in the story <laughs> that he missed his dad. I, I read in the story he was at his end. I read in the story that he had nowhere else to turn. He was starving and had no more resources. I need to call my dad. And see, sometimes as a parent, let me go back to what John Piper said just briefly. He rescued us while we were in active rebellion against him. That is the heart of your heavenly father. And I want that heart for my kids too. In Luke 15, 20, we read as he returned to his dad. So he got up and went to his father. And while he was still a long way off, the father, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. Many of you know the song or remember, I think I can't even tell you the decade, but this is decades old and it's one of my wife's favorite songs by Benny Hester called When God Ran. I love the lyrics of this song. Almighty God, the great I am, immovable rock, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord, victorious warrior, commanding king of kings, mighty conqueror, and the only time The only time I ever saw him run was when he ran to me, took me in his arms, held my head to his chest, said, my son's come home again, lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes with forgiveness in his voice. He said, son, do you know I still love you? He caught me by surprise when God ran. I had a lady after the 815 that came up to me, and this this is what I love about the body of Christ and the stories, because there's stories right now that are bubbling up in here. And she walked up right here on the stage, and she said, we own a construction company, and uh, my, hus- my, my ex-husband passed away uh, last summer, or this past summer, but uh, uh, in a dumpster one time, he found that song on a cassette tape. And he went and he plugged it into his truck, and in his truck, gave his life to Jesus. He was saved. It's the first time it ever really made sense to him. And that's why we know some of you are here today seeking Christ because it's what you do in this season. You're here with family, and it's part of family tradition. We welcome you. 
we're glad you're here. Run to the arms of the Father. And I'm thankful today. I never want this message to become ordinary for me, and I hope it never becomes ordinary for you. Jesus saved me, brought me into his family, gives me purpose, offers me rest, and is preparing a place for me. And all God's people said, would you pray with me? Father, let us never grow tired of the Christmas message. Uh, How hard this team has worked this week to put together worship for us uh, that brings us to this place of, of glorifying you, of honoring you. For those who are lonely, lost, depressed, broken, hurting, stressed, in crisis, uh, that they would run to the arms of the Father today. That they would declare with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart that he's been raised from the dead. That they would be saved, that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray for the believers. The gospel is not just for the lost, it's for believers too. And that believers in here would be reminded of this great message. Slow down this week. Drive slow across the bridge. Walk slowly through Silver Dollar City. Park in a parking lot. Spend a little time reflecting on all that you have done for us. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for our family. And we thank you for the fact that you care for us now and forever. And we long for the day, the return of Christ, and spending eternity together. We pray this in the name of Jesus and everyone agreed and said,